Um, next up, we have Men at the Table on October 19th, which is a Tuesday. I'm also going to take a risk and say that's probably going to be around 7 p.m. Um, no. Oh. Oh, wow. It might be at like 5 o'clock. So uh, cut out from work early and go to Bryant Lake Bowl. It should be a really good time. I've never been to one of those events, so you'll have to go find out and see what it's like. Um, oh, sign up is on the website for that. It should be live. Otherwise, it should be live soon. Cool. It's live on the website. Um, lastly, we have the Sacred Sites Tour coming up on October 23rd. That's a Saturday from 10 to 2 p.m. Um, sign up is also on the website for that. This is an event led by Reverend Jim Bear Jacobs. Um, it's an effort to create dialogue um, and understanding and healing between Native and non-Native folks and an opportunity for us to learn about the Dakota people who were the original people here in Minnesota. So I will be attending that event. If you want an excuse to hang out with me, come join me on that Saturday. If um, you heard that I'm going and now you don't want to go, just pretend you never heard that I'm going. Um, cool. Lastly, last two things, if you want to get updates and stay connected, text the word table to 33222. And then um, if you call the table home and uh, you can get behind what we're doing here by giving financially, we'd be super appreciative of that. Um, you can do so two ways. One, the box on the table over there. You can throw some cash money, some checks in there. If you are like me and you don't carry that on your body anymore, you can go to the website and click the giving tab and give that way. Cool. I think that's it. Turn it over to Debbie for the message. Thanks, Sheems. Well, hi everyone. Can you guys hear me? We're always we're always we're deciding that it's hard to do outdoors because it's kind of hard to hear. But here we are. We couldn't be more lucky with the weather. It's beautiful. So welcome. My name's Debbie Manning. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at the table, and I'm glad to be with you. We are doing a series right now that we are calling This Is Us. And we're actually talking about our values, the things that we um, aspire to live out as people that are practicing the ways of Jesus. Matt kicked us off last week talking about the value of being Christ-centered. And what I would say about that is that really all of the values, and you can see them on your um, bulletin, come out of being Christ-centered. Those values we value because those um are in line with the person and the practices of Jesus. So tonight, we're going to be talking about the value of being tangibly compassionate. Um, we as a, a community has always been committed to caring for one another and for hospitality and all those things that go along with doing real life together. We are people that show up when it matters. And in that commitment, um, sometimes that's in the joy and celebrations of life, and sometimes that's in the sorrows and the heartache and everything in between. But we believe that is the call on our life, is to show up for one another. One of the things that was so interesting about preaching on this this particular week is that I went to a memorial service this past Monday of a woman who had um, exemplified what it means to embody the compassionate life. Her name was Sylvia Bailey. She was actually a longtime member at Christ Presbyterian Church, the church we came out of. Um, Sylvia impacted hundreds and hundreds of people. She and her husband, Ted, had a really amazing story where um, they reoriented their life as their faith evolved, um, and they sold their home in Edina, 
and they bought a farm down in Cannon Falls, and they lived that farm in that farm, and they worked that farm, but they opened the doors to that farm as a spiritual retreat for everybody and anybody who wanted to come. Sylvia was one of those people that welcomed you into her home. She fed you. She led you. She nourished you with her presence. She created this safe space where you could come and rest and be restored. And she did that in a whole lot of different ways. And I myself, many times in my years as a pastor at Christ Presbyterian, brought our care team down there for a day of restoration. And our table team, when we first started together at Christ Presbyterian, we actually went down for a day with Sylvia for that same thing. But there were other moments in my own life where I would go down one-on-one with someone who was in the middle of a crisis, who just needed a safe space to be seen and heard and loved. And those were some of the most amazing, life-changing times in my own faith journey. Because here's the thing with Sylvia. She had this ability to step into your shoes, to stand with you in your pain and suffering. She not only saw you, but she heard you. She sat in the suffering with you. And it was through, ex- it was through my experience of that with Sylvia that I experienced the compassion of Christ. Because that's what Sylvia led with, this tangible compassion. I think it's important for us if we want to talk about, to to talk about what does compassion mean. It comes from the Latin word compati, which literally means to suffer with. And the connection of suffering with another person brings compassion beyond sympathy. It brings it further to sort of an empathy, going back to that standing with someone. And I like to think about that compassion as literally suffering with another or standing with someone or being in it with another. Uh, Emotion uh, researchers who study things like emotions, they define it like this. A feeling that arises when you are confronted with the suffering of another and you feel motivated to relieve that suffering. It's really not that far off from the biblical notion of compassion. Because we can look at our God and see his very nature, his very being is a God of compassion. We see it over and over again in the Hebrew scriptures. I mean, you, you could do a whole study on it. You know, we see it in the story of Job. We see it in the Psalms and Lamentations. The God of mercy, the God of compassion. But I think we see it most clearly, God's compassion most clearly in the life and ministry of Jesus. If you think about it, The overarching narrative of the gospel is really all about that, right? That being with you. I mean, think about Jesus' incarnation, his birth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. All the way from that to Jesus hanging on a cross. And if you want to go farther than that, Jesus about to ascend into heaven and saying, and my spirit is with you always. I am with you always. But Jesus entered this world of brokenness and misery, and he saw the suffering, and he was moved by compassion to enter the suffering. And over and over again, we can see all four gospel writers talking about God's compassion. The heart of Jesus, the very heart of Jesus, went out in feelings of empathy and affection. And when he saw the multitudes 
he was moved by compassion. And he fed him and he taught him and he healed him. He did a lot of healing of the sick. I think about the occasion when he left Jericho and he saw the two blind men on the side of the road. And again, he was moved by compassion and he healed them. He touched their eyes. They received their sight. He healed them. The healing of the leprous man. His hands were touched and he was healed. And Mark tells us that he was moved with compassion. The compassion of the grieving mother. The compassion of the wayward son returning home. Over and over and over again, we see Jesus move out of compassion. Tonight, we're in Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus seems to be in the thick of fulfilling his father's mission, the preaching, the teaching, the healing, when he brings in his disciples into that same vocation. But Matthew's word about compassion is so important here because he talks about Jesus' compassion for his sheep, and it reminds us The compassion is the foundation of Jesus' message. It's the foundation not only of the mission, but it's the foundation of the commission when Jesus commissions the disciples. And paired with compassion, there's a sense of urgency. What I love about this passage is in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, and then this phrase, he had compassion on them. The Greek for this is isplant. Okay, i got to say this with confidence so it sounds like I might even know it. Maggie, isn't that true? It's like, just say it with confidence and no one knows that it's been like seven years since you had Greek in seminary. Isplantinisti. Not close, but there is a Greek word. And here's the important part of that. The Greek word means this. He was moved with compassion. So while Jesus was in this world, Jesus could not but be moved by what he saw. He's not only open-eyed, but he's open-hearted. He's moved by what he sees. He's affected by what he sees. And he's neither cold-hearted or hard-hearted. And the images of need, they're things that move him, that bend his heart into a place where he is reaching out to anybody in his view. The two blind men, the grieving mother, the crowd. These are just a few of the sights that moved Jesus. But there's a lot more than emotion here. Because always compassion involves contact and touch. The leprous man's hand was restored after Jesus touched his hand. The blind man, after Jesus touched their eyes. With compassion there's action. There's an open-handedness. There's no stopping and staring. Jesus becomes involved. He steps in. And because of the compassion of Christ, anyone he touches is changed. 
They're made new. Their lives are transformed, never to be the same. And in Matthew, Jesus' followers, that original audience, is us as well. Because I think we know that. We talk about that all the time. We are to resemble Jesus in the world. We are to resemble Jesus in word and deed. And that last part of our text, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. We don't simply preach the gospel. We practice the gospel. We practice the ways of a compassionate Christ. There's no turning a blind eye to real need. We can be moved, but that's not enough. We can sit back in our own comfort, in our own safety, but Jesus calls us to step out, to step out of whatever he puts right in front of us. And sometimes that's something really simple that we're not even clear that we're seeing it, and sometimes that's something big and scary. But we are called to step into that. Here's the crazy thing. We worship a God who is entangled with the suffering of humanity, our suffering, and the suffering of everyone. We follow a God who chooses not to get involved, not to untangle. I, it's not that. We follow a God who chooses not to untangle the problems of our world, but invites us into partner with him out of love and compassion to do that work, to be moved by the compassion that we see in Jesus, to be moved enough that we are willing to reach into whatever, whoever is put right in front of us. And I think that's our job as a community, right? Because these are things we've heard. These are things we try to live out. But boy, it is easy to sit back and be comfortable. It is easy. And I'll confess this, that sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed with my own life. Sometimes I'm uncertain. Sometimes I'm scared. Sometimes I'm just too busy to pay attention. But here's the beauty of it all. We don't have to do it on our own strength. It's not about us and what we do. It's about God and what he can do through us. It's about the power of the spirit working through us and us just stepping in, not needing to know what the next thing is, but literally just taking a step in. I think one of the important parts of this passage is sort of where I started before when I talked about my friend Sylvia. She was one of those people who you walked away feeling like, oh, God is with us. He has not forgotten me. Even if I can't feel it in the moment, God is with us. And that reminder is what gives us hope. That reminder is that we're not alone, that we have each other to go it together. We have a God that is compassionate, that stands by us, that is with us, even if we can't feel it. I was talking to my son, Sam, earlier this week about this message it's always good for me to talk about it with people a little bit. And he was reminding me of a story, a book really, that we both read years ago in love. And it's a book by a Holocaust survivor, um, Elie Wiesel. Many of you, I'm sure, have read it. It's called Night. He is a professor, an activist, a Nobel laureate. Um, he spent his entire life um, as a witness to those six million Jews that were murdered in the Holocaust. But in this book, he tells the story, he's a boy himself, about a young boy who was being hung from the gallows. 
and how they, as prisoners, were forced to watch that. And Wiesel recalls how the boy's face was like that of a sad-eyed angel, and that he was silent and, and kind of pale and almost calm as he walked up those steps to the gallows. And behind Wiesel, he heard a prisoner say, Where is God? Where is he? It took that child a half hour to die, and those prisoners were forced to watch that boy's face. And then the same man asked again, where is God now? And Wiesel heard a voice within him with this answer, where is he? Here he is. He is hanging here on the gallows. That's the Christ we follow. The Christ whose compassion moves him to be with us no matter what. That moves him to be with us no matter what our circumstances, no matter where we are in life, no matter who we're with. So that's the thing. We as followers of Jesus, we see... And then we're moved, both with heart and mind, and then we step into the places that God's calling us. It's that simple, and it's that hard. And it ends up being more beautiful than we could ever imagine because God does redeem things. There's a rightness. There's a reminder that God hasn't forgotten and that in the midst of all this, he is present with us. So yes, this compassionate life certainly is about what we see and how it moves our heart. But at the end of the day, friends, it's about boots on the ground, tangible compassion. It looks like volunteering with our kids and showing them that they are the beloved children of God, teaching them the ways of Jesus. That kind of compassion that tangible compassion is sitting with someone while they're grieving, donating to the Bethany Fund so that we can help people that are in a crisis. And you guys have done that so beautifully. Just this last week, we had two people in a crisis situation that needed help. And guess what? You guys, we were able to do that. We were able to step in and help them in this moment that many of us have never experienced. Boots on the ground is praying with someone that's walking through trauma or mental illness or depression or loss. Boots on the ground is a phone call that this pastor got this week and a message left by someone in our community who simply said, I've been thinking about you and I want you to know that you're valued, that what you do is important. And as God's timing is, it was just in that right moment. I felt so grateful. But the other thing about boots on the ground is it's, it goes beyond us. It's way bigger than all of us. And it's those things like backpacks for Stonebridge and Ace in the City. It's being part of the Flourish food market and being able to pack bags and deliver them to Powderhorn Park. It's the response of this community when tragedy and crisis hits this city. It's the way people came forward after George Floyd's murder. And I wanted to end my time today with a tangible way, a way that we could practice tangible compassion. Many of us, I would say all of us, our hearts have been broken 
with what's gone on in Afghanistan. And we know that there are many people, many families that have lost their homes, their livelihoods, everything, and have had to flee that country and come here. Well, lucky for us, Terry Gould, who is a uh, lawyer, she's also an immigration law specialist. She works for the Minnesota Department of Human Services. She is connected with our table team, with our board, with Rachel Garten, who is the point person on this. And these guys put their heads together and they built a fund that we can donate to as a community where we can actually help the families that are coming to Minnesota, these Afghan evacuees, these refugees who have nothing, who need a home. Those funds will go to support people in their temporary housing, and they'll include items that I wasn't even thinking about, things like cords and notepads, games and toys for children, first aid items, maybe some cultural items. But at the end of the day, it's about seeing the need and being moved and actually doing something that brings God's compassion and love to earth. And this is a way we can do that. I invite you guys to go to our website, thetablempls.com. And if you click on calendar, right now it's the very first thing at the top of the calendar. Because from now until October 31st, you can donate to that. And in that way, we can actually, in a tangible way, support these families. I think it's amazing that we have the privilege, the opportunity, that we could actually step into something that will make a difference. So thank you, Terry and Rachel, um, Patty, who helped set that up, that we can actually step into that. Friends, we will be equipped and empowered by God's presence I said it earlier, and I'll say it again at the end of Matthew, which is one of my very favorite verses. Jesus says as he, he's about to ascend into heaven, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I will tell you in all the pastoral care situations I've been in, and I've been in a lot, that is the hope we hang on to. That's the truth we have because life is hard. Life is wonderful. But at the end of the day, we can hang on to the truth that God is with us and we can hold each other in that. So friends, I am grateful to be on this journey with you. I am grateful that we can live this compassionate life, a gospel life. And we can do it together. We can remind each other. We can hold each other up. And we can be a part of partnering with God and what's going on in the world. Let me pray. Holy and gracious God, we gather together as yours. God, and there's so many things going on in our own lives and in this, our community and in our country and in our world. And at the end of the day, God, gosh, sometimes we are tired and we are scared and we don't know which step to put forward, what foot to put forward. But God, we trust that it, you are here that you are with us, that you love us, that you call us into the compassionate life. You call us to be people that see and move. You call us to be people that put our boots on the ground and step into whatever you put right in front of us. God, we thank you for your spirit, a spirit that moves in ways we can't really understand, but we trust it. And we step into it. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.
With compassion, there is action. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Debbie. Um, and I, I love the idea of compassion around some of our new neighbors, the Afghanis. I'm going to start another fund. I got 20 bucks for that guy who needs a muffler. Anybody else in? Um, when Debbie mentioned the story of the leper, that's one that uh, I've, I've thought about many years, many times over the years. Uh, we, we have a, a member of our family with a disability, and that was one of the stories of someone with a disability. And, you know, I, I think oftentimes we might think about that story and say, oh, well, Jesus did something and there's a miracle, and that's certainly true. But there are parts of that story that Jesus did that we all can do. And the first thing that Jesus did is he stopped. He took notice. He took compassion. And with compassion, there is action. As we're going through this meal that we take every year that in the upper room Jesus did, let us, let us have that be our charge. That is, we're considering these elements. Think about what we can do and maybe other things aside from helping our new neighbors or helping with a muffler, to where we can step in, where we can really learn a person's story. And in finding out more about that story, how we can put compassion and take that into action ourselves. So let's think about that meal in the upper room. Again, we know the elements and we know the story, but maybe this is just an additional way we can kind of consider that this day. That when Jesus got together, with his disciples, knowing that this was going to be his last meal. Have you thought about that? What would your last meal on life, how would you have that with your compatriots? Put that in your thought process today and think about how this meal can help us have even greater compassion from the God who shows infinite compassion to us. So we, we talk about Jesus taking this wine and saying, think about this as my blood and remember that this is in memory of me. And so in a moment, we're going to look at each other and say that, that message. And then we're going to take this bread and we're going to remember that this is the body, the symbol of Jesus' body, that he again freely gave compassionately to us. And so let's uh, stand now and just take those elements if you have them. Um, if you don't have them, hopefully we can get some to you. Um, and just uh, we'll take that meal together understanding that this is a symbol of compassion in action. And before we take that meal, join us, please, in the prayer that our God taught us to say. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It was so interesting being at, um, it was so moving being at Sylvia Bailey's memorial service over at Awaken Church, actually, on Monday. Uh, many of the old ex-pastors from CPC were there, and a few of them spoke. And Micah, who is the pastor there, um, knew Sylvia well and, and spoke. And there wasn't a person that spoke, or afterwards, those of us there, that felt so humbled to know her, to be in her presence. And I kind of thought the ironic thing was she literally was the most humble person I had ever met, but yet we all felt 
humbled that we had got to be impacted by God's compassion through Sylvia. And we all walked away, and I say we all because a lot of us were talking afterwards, and I walked away feeling like, I, I want to be better. Like, I want to see more clearly. I want to be moved. I want to act on things. And so that's my prayer for us as a community as we continue to evolve in the ways of practicing the ways of Jesus. I sure hope and pray that for all of us. So good to be with you tonight. And please um, hear these words. You can stick your hands out if you're comfortable. And here's our benediction. No matter who you are or what you've done, no matter who you love or what you've lost, no matter where you've been or the places you've stayed, you always have a place at the table because you are a beloved child of God and you belong. Go in peace. Have a good week, everybody.